1: Aston Villa at four, Nottingham Forest at two. And Matt, a nice afternoon at Villa Park. At yeah, just saying, wasn't it? It's um,
0: a, rare, a rare home win for Aston Villa um, these days. Honestly, it, it, I thought first half we were absolutely mag- magnificent. I thought we played, hmm. played some brilliant football and got ourselves in such control. And then very, very Villa, wasn't it? Those two minutes either side of half time. And then probably the first 10, 10, 15 minutes of the second half where. What should have been a kind of fairly straightforward procession just became <laughs> a little jittery nightmare until that the fourth goal was the most just to just breathe a sigh of relief then because I thought don't don't blow this from this position but uh, yeah I thought I thought for the most part I thought thought we were, we we're quality and overall we obviously thoroughly deserved the win.
1: Yeah, so close to my pre-match prediction as well. I went 4-1 on the on the inside body more show, me and John did, did yesterday. And the guy sitting next to me as he got in literally a couple of minutes before kickoff, had a little bit of a, a chat. He's like, oh, what do you reckon today? What do you think? And I was like, oh, I'm pretty confident we'll win. I'd love it to be one of those days where you, uh, this sounds rubbish, by the way. I swear, I, swear, I said this, this is true. I'd love it to be one of those days where it's comfortable and you're 3 0 up at half time. And he laughed and he's like, oh, yeah, good one. Uh, so when we were 3 0, almost 3 0 up at half time, I was like, oh, yeah, my prediction is definitely coming in today because I've even got the first half spot, never mind uh, the full time result. Uh, but we have to make it slightly difficult, don't we, in a classic Aston Villa fashion, or the Aston Villa of old almost uh, would be to, to make that difficult. I like the idea of. Um, and we finding the game too easy and thinking, I'll take Torres off, give him a chance, give him a goal at halftime, give him a goal at the start of the second half, just to make this a bit difficult for ourselves because it's too easy. Um, but yeah, certainly a little bit nervy. We always knew, didn't we, that Forest were were good going forward and, and they've got goals in them. So it did feel one, like one of those days that Villa would also have to score three or four goals to actually get something from the game and it turned out to be that. Forest are no mugs, but certainly nothing nothing special at the back and that's why they're, they're down where they are. And, Sadly for them, if they do get a points deduction, I think they'd be in real trouble of of, of trying to stay up. Um, but you know, what should have been a, a really comfortable game by the 30 minute mark when you think this is gonna be a 4 0, 5 0. Didn't quite go like that, but three points are three points, and it was still a very, very good performance, wasn't it? I thought it was gonna be a five five. five. again. <laughs> Especially the first half. I mean the second half I wouldn't say was an amazing performance, but the first half was yeah, that,
0: we were really, really good. Yeah, like I said, I did, did think it was going to finish 5-5. I don't know if there's any kind of precedent for that in this fixture. Um, but I think it was just playing through that. They got their tails up. They've actually gifted us that fourth goal that's taken the, taken the pressure off. And yeah. I didn't think we were pressing that aggressively for that goal. But, you know, it's no coincidence that we, we've we got possession in that area. And we did it against Fulham as well, didn't we, for the, for the first goal at, at, mm. at Fulham. And I think... You know, I think Tulemans in that role. I think you know he's not always hundred miles an hour, but I think when he's on it, and the moment when he's his on it, is,
1: doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he. You know, he probably is a, he's a moments player. Um, I thought he was so. I know we're moving out of the chronological order now. But I thought he was so unlucky That's for fine. that one that hit the, hit hit the post. Um, but I thought I thought some of the football that we played first half, probably particularly the first goal. I just thought, it, I don't know whether I use the word sumptuous often enough in my life or in, on the Clarence League podcast, but I just thought it was brilliant. And I've, I've come back and watched the highlights on YouTube. And I don't think they do that first goal justice because they always clip them really well. tight, don't they? Yeah. And hopefully, match of the day or whatever, the extended highlights package. We'll see McGinn's role in that early on because mm. he could have played a simple ball back to a defender. But I don't know who was marking him, but he's you know, he's not just sent him to the shops, he's sent him all the way back to the ball ring with a little, he's done a little kind of drop of the shoulder and then he won a, a McGinn twist. And that slide slide rule passed through to Bailey. Obviously, Bailey's kind of had his man on toast, nutmegged him. And I just thought, I thought it was a really, really brilliant goal. Um, I can't remember which goal it was, but Dwight York scored like a simple kind of tapping like that you know, early 90s where it was a really flowing move and it was just so incisive. Uh might have been against Sheffield Wednesday at Villa Park. I don't know. The Fact fans will probably have a, have a better idea than me. But it's one of those moments, that goal where, you know, most goals or we did pre, pre-VAR, you actually kind of, it's almost like kind of animalistic, isn't it? That kind of, that cheering. That first goal today was more a, I'm actually going to stand up and literally applaud that just kind of because it was just so so well worked and, and 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 so well crafted. Um but I don't think that was the only one. I think I think mm. all of the goals um yeah. fourth one was probably a bit scruffier but I thought all of the goals were were really really well crafted and it's another it's a hallmark of Unai Emery's Aston Villa that we can that we can work those openings and we can capitalize upon them as well. So yeah, it was <laughs> That's why I'm so relieved. Obviously, I'm relieved that we've got the three points, but that's why I'm so relieved that having almost laid out that statement for most of the first half, and I know it's only Nottingham Forest, and I know they're, they're going to struggle to, to bring in the Premier League next season, but having laid out that statement, it would have been a real kind of catastrophe if we would have undermined it by, by throwing it away.
1: Mm, so on that first goal as well, something you didn't mention whilst talking through that very well. Double nutmeg from Bailey. So that didn't, you know, you, 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 obviously Watkins is pointing at him in the celebration. You know, it's all him. I've only tapped it in, which is fair. And at the time, you think, yeah, it's a great run. He's done really, really well to beat the man, get the ball across. It's only when you see it back on the big screen and on the highlights since that he you not know, makes the man fur to get past him and then the ball across to Watkins is through the defender's legs as well. Just two real great moments of magic and things that we've said about Watkins before. He's a dangerous player now. Whenever he gets on the ball, you don't think, oh, he's going to run down a blind alley or he's not going to be able to beat his man and it's just going to go backwards. Pretty much every time it goes out to Bailey on that right-hand side, you think he's going to do something. He will create something here because he's just dangerous and he's absolutely full of confidence at the moment. There's obviously a certain most Salah, obviously, at the players on the right hand side. Is he besides Salah, probably, the best right-sided forwards? Not maybe not the best, besides Salah, but is he up there in the conversation as this season, particularly being one of the best right-sided forwards?
0: I think so in the form that he's in because he's not, you know, when when we signed him and probably for probably for the first season, season and a half, you know, I know it was a kind of like running joke with with me and my nephew and, me and my son that anything Bailey would do, it was more of a trick and flick merchant, wasn't he? Anything that he'd do was, oh, we'll have that on his highlights reel on Instagram, you know, he's done nothing else, but he'll have that on his highlight, you know, he's, he's done a drag back or a Cruyff turn or whatever. But look at his numbers now. He's actually mm. delivering. Not only can he yeah. do that, not only is he on easy on the eye and a- aesthetically pleasing with everything that he does or most things that he does, but he's actually delivering. You know, he's, whether it's, you know, he, he doesn't actually, for, for a wide player, you probably tell me now, you'd probably say, Matt, you're wrong if you just... You know, scroll back through the last couple of months, you'll see differently. It doesn't actually cross the ball that in, in terms of crossing a ball, like a ball elevating it off the floor. Mm. And you know, it, it's, it's, precise, a cutback. Deli- it's precise, precise, precise delivering, precise cutbacks into space. And you know, listen, that's that to do that, you've got to have people who are making intelligent runs and getting into space as well. Um, but yeah, listen, I don't. I don't. Um, what's the what's the word? Um, I probably don't consume Premier League football the way that possibly most of our <laughs> our our viewers and listeners do. So I, I couldn't say you know beyond doubt that he's he's absolutely the best. But what I can say is when I see him and he's up there, you know, in terms of in terms of players now have played that position for Raston village during my time watching them. And it might be a short, this might be a narrow sample. He needs to do this over two seasons, three seasons, four seasons. Mm. Um, but he's doing it at a really top level now.
1: Um, and I'm all for it. I love it. Just do a bit of housekeeping. Firstly, can you just edge a little bit closer to your mark, a little bit quiet when you lean over here and go off on a tangent, better stay essentially where you can. A uh, couple of comments. Yes. yes. Uh, uh Fact fans are correct. Apparently, well, you're correct, according to fact fans. It uh, was well, Sheffield Wednesday. A few, couple of people in the comments have said for the Dwight York goal that you mentioned earlier, so fair play to your memory for still being there. Uh, the <laughs> second comment, I don't have it in front of me specifically because there's so many, uh, asked about why is Matt's head flashing? Uh, have you got the indoor lights on? Like the light bulb in the oh Can go change them? If you can, yes, that is why that will be flashing. Uh, <sighs> different different uh, refresh rates and, and whatever else. This is the bit where I should have put trousers on, shouldn't I? For this bit, hang on. <laughs> oh, I'd love it if you don't have trousers on. Not in a weird way. Uh, oh, yeah, it's got trousers on. OK. All right. That should stop the flickering baldness. Uh, <laughs> you can't hear this, so it's great. Big bald git. Oh, you can't hear, I can hear it. Uh, Oh, can you? Oh, dear. That's me getting sacked in the morning. Um, the other comment I wanted to refer to quickly, and looks like your internet may have gone, if not mine, which that would be a real disaster. Uh, there he is, he's back. Uh, asked whether that is the biggest fluffy duster behind you, the multicolour thing. Is that correct, or is that something oh, else? <laughs> also, how can you hear me when you're not wearing the headphones? They're not working, are they, clearly? I I don't put them back in then.
0: <laughs> Just for a show.
1: <laughs> oh, what a shambles this podcast is there we go headphones gone is that a fl- oh yeah it's a fluffy duster wow excellent okay you can put that back now if you want um, Right, back, back to the game I'm glad we got that the, those comments out of the way right um, we talked about the Bailey goal we talked about his contribution he talked about McGinn a little bit there just in the specific kind of uh, the longer extended highlight of that opening goal but generally just as an overall point how good is John McGinn as a footballer guy next to me, so when, when he plays well, Villa play well, and that's something that, again, we've said on the podcast a lot, when he's on it, it really does set the tone, doesn't it, of everyone feels that, that energy from him.
0: Yeah. Um, me dad was talking as we walked back up to the car, saying, has there been a footballer with a kind of lower centre of gravity really, just because <laughs> the way he can spin and, and, and move in such tight spaces? and he, He's, he's
1: magnified. I don't know. Is there another footballer like him, Dan? Messi? In terms of low center of gravity, <laughs> uh, I don't think. In terms of what he like, when you look at him. You know, I think obviously it's different when he's wearing a football kit, but if you feel, if you saw him in normal clothes, I don't think you'd say he's got like the build of a footballer and he's, he's spoken about like the way he is and how that's kind of hindered him a lot during his career as well. That he's not the biggest in height. He's kind of got this big, big backside. He doesn't look like this slim, athletic footballer. Obviously, he's very, very fit, but he doesn't have that typical build. If you look at players across the Premier League, I don't think physically, in terms of appearance, are there are any other players like John McGinn and the attributes that that allows him to bring onto the pitch as well. I don't think there's many players that can do, do what he does in terms of holding the ball up and bursting forward with such energy to do that from central midfield and kind of be able to be all over the pitch going both ways is, yeah, he's such a unique footballer in that, in that sense.
0: Yeah. i just think it's, a, just think it's a really good combination. <laughs> he's, he's learned to use the gift that's God, God's given him, you know, he's, he, 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 big backside and you know he's he's managed to use that and find the way you know if you're given that set of physical attributes he's optimized how you use them Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. it's
1: almost like he's done done well with what he's been given
0: yeah yeah but done done exceptionally well with but not only that has managed to harness that with that kind of drive and that real Mm. kind of passion and and energy to improve um still seems like he's got an everyman kind of quality that he doesn't let anything particularly go to his head. You know, he's quite a level headed character, but he brings all those leadership skills as well. So I think he's the complete package and you probably disarm me a little bit because I was going to say one criticism today. I didn't think his dead ball delivery was particularly good from, Mm. from corners, but that's, that's like, do you know what I mean? That's
1: <laughs> his delivery for Douglas Louise's header was brilliant, and that's on his right. Well, yeah, <laughs> so
0: he's put it put it on his right peg, and and and, and absolutely. Well, you were queuing up for that. I think I think uh, yeah. Longley was there, and I think Torres might have had a sniff of it as well. So, um, but yeah, no, he's 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 a he's a
1: magnificent beast, isn't he? Hmm. Just uh, as a, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't know. This is going to be a stupid point, probably, but this is what this podcast is, isn't it? Especially when you're here, I always go down these stupid tangents. Like, you bring the worst out of me for this. There's a point when, I don't know when, during the game, McGinn comes over to Emory and there speaking as captain and manager, you know, leader and captain and whatever else. Um, it just reminded me of this, this like theory. I don't, I'm absolutely going off on a stupid tangent here. Have you ever heard this kind of like, Abject theory that if, say, obviously, we speak English, that's the language I'm going to use. If a lion could suddenly speak English, we wouldn't be able to understand what they say because their frames of reference are so vastly different to ours, the way they live their life is even though you'd understand the words, like what they're saying just would be complete gobbledygook. I almost feel like looking at Emory McGinn. How do them two understand each other? Do you know what I mean? It gives such a thick Scottish accent, Emery's Spanish or Basque accent, or whatever you describe it. The way they speak is so different, but they look at each other and they're talking on the touchline. It's like, they know exactly what they want from each other. McGuinness is a, is a brilliant captain, something I didn't know he had in his locker, you know, two or three years ago. And I just, well, as I was watching it, like he goes off and delivers the instructions to the rest of the team and he, you know, helps everyone and they clearly understand each other. But I just got this thing in the back of my mind. just thought, like, imagine like away from football, these two people meeting. I just feel like they would never, ever get have anything in common at all, because they come from two vastly different backgrounds.
0: You, d- you don't think that that Emery has deep fried Mars bars in his tapas? You don't. You don't. <laughs> I, think,
1: you don't think... I, I doubt that very much. Uh, yeah, just a, a stupid thought that I had in you my head. to probably on, leave it to myself. Just on stupid thoughts, and this is
0: a little bit random. Maybe not quite so random as as, as yours, but you know, before kickoff, when <laughs> mm-hmm. the teams come out and there's ball on plinth and all that that kind of stuff, and the mascots come out. Yeah, ball on the plinth, reference- that's a good saying, isn't it? Ball on plinth. Ball on plinth, yeah. You know what I actually thought about ball on plinth? That would make a great cake, wouldn't it, for a football fan, a birthday cake, yeah, a, yeah. Big, a big ball on plinth. This wasn't the point, but a big ball on plinth cake. You'd have your main cake on top, but you could almost have two or layers. three or four di- different layers in the plinth, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So This is I probably the most time that the plinth has ever been used in the Villa podcast, but I'm, I'm enjoying it.
0: Well, I'm just thinking, Dan, because I know your wedding's not that far away. So I don't yeah. know. A ball on plinth cake could probably cost about, about 30 grand now, wouldn't it, to be honest? <laughs> so,
1: um, it's The rest of the wedding, yeah.
0: Yeah, the point I was making was... What was the point I was making? When when the when the teams come out, each player or the home players normally have a little, little kind of mascot they hold hands with. Mm. The referee, mascot came out with a referee today. Did it? And the officials, yeah. And I'm thinking... Did he get the short straw or what? Or was he a little kind of wannabe ref? That, you know, he's kind of <laughs> written in. He's written in <laughs> the Stockley Park thought. It's just my dream. I don't even know who the ref was today. It was another newbie, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's my dream to walk out holding hands with a ref. And I'm thinking, <laughs> if listen, if it was your son, he, the, the little lad had, had a villa kit on. So uh, if, he, if he was, he probably should have had a little bit more of a word in the ref's here.
1: But I just thought. Uh, excellent.
0: You know, he, I didn't even notice that. It's a great treat walking out
1: with one of your heroes,
0: but if you're walking out with a ref, you're like, is that a punishment?
1: Has he done something yeah. wrong? Do you know what it might so have that... been? Was it a Villa fan, the the yeah, yeah, Do you know what it could have been? And maybe this is, if if, if anyone is watching this and that was your child, please get in touch, because now I'm fascinated whether this is the scenario. Did you see that? And I, I can I comment comments while I talk about the football. We'll get there, but come on. We're enjoying ourselves <laughs> here. Emmy uh, Martinez had his kids, didn't he? but that, that's who he was with. He had pictures with them as they came. up did the Martinez hates kids then. I thought he had his kids. Um, right. And so I was like, oh, has he got kids? I wasn't sure, but the kid ran away, had daddy on the back. right? So like, Martinez is there with his kids and there was three. So maybe there is 11 mascots. Generally, they've been given the package, but Martinez has got his kids. So the other kid, it was a short story. So I like, go with the referee. <laughs> Like you pay. You know, you've got to go out there. Maybe that was the scenario. Martinez's kids have ousted this other child, and he had to go out with the referee.
0: So what what I would say as a disclaimer. Is I'm sure this kid. We've we've spent too much of the podcast discussing it, and I'm sure he's had a brilliant time and he's been on the pitch and he's walked out with Aston Villa. So I don't want to undermine the day. Oh, of course not. <laughs> But I just thought it was a bit
1: strange that you're thinking, oh,
0: yeah, I really want to walk out with a ref. That's that's what I'm dreaming oh, of.
1: So. I reckon that was just a knock-on effect of Martina, his kids being there. I really do. I'd love that to be the case in a roundabout way. Uh, do let us know if that was your child. Right, let's talk about football then. Um, Douglas Louise, a brace for him, pulls out the fishing rod celebration. Everyone's absolutely loving it. A header for, the, for his second goal, I think, and a really nice finish as well for the first one, if that is the right way around. Um... Again, we've talked about him a million times about how good he is. But again, kind of the similar things we say about McGinn. If Douglas Louise is on it, we're on it as a team. And I, th- I think it's interesting the way that he's just kind of adapted to the loss of Kamara as well. McGinn is obviously playing alongside him centrally, but a lot of the time when we play the ball out from the back into midfield, a lot of the times that is Kamara and getting the initial ball, and then going on to uh, to Louise, and then he'll kind of create a move from there. Louise is now the guy who's getting the first ball off the defence because McGinn isn't kind of central. He's playing Louise's role in a roundabout way, so it's a slight difference for for Louise in terms of he's always the one getting that first that first ball from the defence, uh, where he's normally just rely on Kamara to deal with that. But also can still be Douglas Louise. It's not like he's being hamstrung to a position that he doesn't really want to do. and He's having to sit on the halfway line or whatever. He's still bursting forward. He's still getting involved. He's still got two goals today, like a brilliant, brilliant footballer. I think it's 10 goals for the season. I don't know whether that's all competitions. It must be. And nine of those were at Villa Park. Just unbelievable numbers from a, from a central midfielder player.
0: Yeah, did you see that corner when McGinn absolutely whacked it at him? Did you see that? That oh, just pop, popped into my mind. He, 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 he zipped it into him so fast and he knocked him off his feet. He couldn't control it. Bounced off him and Bailey was offside for it. Did you see that? Yeah, <laughs> see that?
1: Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Random routine. Um but away from that, the thing about Douglas Luiz, again, he, does, he just seems to do things in such an unfussed, mm. unhurried way. And it's like, I said, chatting to, chatting to me to my nephew on, on the way back again, and it's almost, I think he was, was chatting to somebody anyway, it's almost as if Emery sometimes, I get the impression, I'm sure he doesn't, this is Premier League football, this is super competitive football, but he almost says to them, go out there and just play the way you train trained. <laughs> just you know, just play the way you play the way, play. go out with it try and be as kind of let me absorb the pressure. You just go out there and express yourself. That that's the way I, I see that team playing, and I think um I think Douglas Lewis sums sums that up more than most.
1: How many times has he scored with his head? Ooh, good question. I don't know, is the answer off the top of my head. I don't know whether I can find out. I can try. I call another one, but somebody will probably say, Matt, he scored three weeks ago with his head. Yeah, I feel like he probably has. I Um, think he
0: has, but I don't know when it was or who it was against. Because he's obviously not going to be, he's taking a lot of the dead ball, a lot of the corners, so he's not going to score many like that. And then. Score some penalties, doesn't he? Somebody will know anyway. Somebody with with a better recall than us.
1: Um, uh, FB ref has got a list of his goals, and I'm only glancing at this very quickly. I think this is all of his goals since joining Villa. There's 20 odd, so that would probably be about right. And it's only noted as right foot and left foot doesn't include, obviously, today's game. So, you might be right that that's the first header, unless I'm reading the stats page wrong, Then maybe the comments will correct us. I feel like he probably would have scored a header, because it just feels like he would have been in the box and maybe just kind of nodded one in somehow. Yeah. But, I'd, yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure for certain, and the stats there say that, that that's the first header. But, as I said, I might be misinterpreting the, the the website there. No, he took
0: it well, though, and I think for the... Yeah, for bullet the second, header. For the second goal as well, We've we've not mentioned him yet, but... Jacob Ramsey, since he's returned, he's, mm. I, I still don't think he's quite there. I think he's final ball, and I think say that he's final ball. I'm going to talk about how great his assist was in a minute. Um, but <laughs> I'd say think, about ninety percent there. Yeah, but I think just having him back there and being able to to, to carry the ball the way he does, um, he's so brave as well. You know, he's. I think Jacob Ramsey is one of those ones because we did we've been doing so well without him. You forget what he brings and i think mm. it's a real treat to have him back yeah. in the team to be honest um and again i just think it's this almost whether well, it's an attitude attitude thing i don't i don't see too many of our i think i see our midfielders all do their job and all do their job really really effectively. But don't ever see them getting agitated or, or irate or whatever. They're just—they're almost like, yeah, this is our stage. A Bit like the Roy Keane, you know, postman. You don't applaud a postman for delivering letters or whatever. They just think, well, yeah, this is our job. This is what we do. We're not going to get too head up about it because that would affect the way we do it. And I think we've got—we've got—we've um, got lots of players, but particularly those three midfielders, McGinn, Louise, and um, Ramsey, who, who just go about their business in a really, really effective, efficient way. Uh, mm-hmm. and like I said I was bemoaning Ramsey's kind of final ball not be, quite being on it whether Louise has given him a call or whatever how he's managed to work that ball to Louise for the, for the second goal was quality as well it was another one of those kind of moments where you think we're a really really good footballing team at the moment and so we've got so many kind of little partnerships where, that are in tune with everybody so you know what the person to the right of you is going to do you know what the person 10 yards in front of you is going to do and it's so well drilled uh, and we've had so much success from it that it's almost instinctive now. Um, and that—that's—that's that's the listen. I've had that feeling a lot through through the, the the development stage of the last eighteen months. But I think in the first half today that was properly evident.
1: Mm. We're going to talk about a couple of concerns, which I don't think are concerns, but we'll do those in a second. Just on Ollie Watkins, twenty six games in the Premier League, fourteen goals now, ten assists. 24 goal contributions in 26 games which is unbelievable two questions go on.
0: Just, actually somebody's he's right <laughs> putting the message Dougie, get, Dougie gets proper arse I suppose yeah <laughs> I, is, he I, would I be saw one, him yeah. when the ref didn't give him much protection today and he gave somebody a, a good shove and then the ref gave him a free kick so yeah I do I do acknowledge that perhaps I'm perhaps I'm seeing this through, through Clambley's pink string but you don't, I don't see him as one of those real kind of
1: no, it's like a hot probably because he
0: ass I don't see him as an agitator really I see him as no. a I'll let
1: my football do the talking kind of thing. Sorry, anyway, I think he would get frustrated within himself and what's happening, but I don't think that he would then take that out or use that energy in the wrong way and start going flying into tackles and being wound up kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, Ollie Watkins, unbelievable numbers. Two questions. Will he break the 20-goal Premier League tally hoodoo that we've had for a million years? And is he world-class, Ollie Watkins? Would you go as far to say world-class?
0: I hate well because it's Rio Ferdinand or something course thing by saying Saka's not world class. Oh, I don't know. Who okay, cares what Rio Ferdinand says? Well, I know you've been digging out Rio Ferdinand with your Douglas Louise fishing celebration. Oh no, it was his Samba celebration, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. something like that. Um can I say can I say something, Dan, without upsetting you? Yeah. I really don't yeah. care. <laughs>
1: that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I just
0: I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know what the what the definition is.
1: Of world-class? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... Well, he's, open, in, place, isn't know, it?
0: he's in the world and he's class. So <laughs> but does world-class mean you have to be the single most best person in that position? You know, I, in the I, world? I
1: think, uh, well, these are. The, this is the like again. This is kind of personal in terms of who is a legend, what is an icon, all those. How you differentiate that category? I would perceive world class to be if you are a fantasy manager with an unlimited budget and you can build an eleven and you can handpick the best squad available. That's what quantifies world class. You could go into any team, you could play for any club in the world, and and still play well. That's how I would. Define world class. I think he's a very, very, very good striker. And I think we've called him elite and whatnot before for podcast titles and stuff. Would I class him as, could he go and play for Man City and score a million goals? And could he go and play for Real Madrid tomorrow and and win the Champions League? Not quite sure on that. I think he's very, very good for Villa specifically. And he's a very good forward. So I don't think I would say world class, but he's, you know, in terms of the Premier League, out and out strikers, you've got Haaland and then you've got Watkins. I think that's fair. I think he's right up there for Premier League number nines slash number 11s for Watkins technically.
0: Yeah. listen, He's brilliant. You know, he's exactly what we, what we need at the moment. And I think these signs that he's learned and developed, I thought, you know, he's on the ball today. He was being a little bit more confident, expressing himself, taking players on, dropping the shoulder a little bit more. Um, I don't mind whether he's world-class, you know, from a selfish point of view, I don't mind whether he gets a sniff of England or, or not. It doesn't, doesn't bother me one bit um, mm-hmm. for, the, for the lad's own sake and his own development. Uh, I think he deserves it. And, um, you know, like you said, there's, there's not many who can, can live with him in the Premier League at the moment in terms of his contributions, let alone people with an English passport who could, can live with him. So I think, think he deserves it. But, What's he? What's he on for? What's he on goal wise for the season? Actually, I'll keep looking at the Premier League one because you know I want him to close into the all time, you know, the yeah. all time Premier League one. But how many goals has he
1: scored this year? It's fourteen goals in the Premier League, and I think it's it's either 19 I think it might be nineteen in all competitions, possibly twenty, but I think it's nineteen. So there was the record of Dwight York's goal contributions, which is twenty seven. So unless he gets injured for the season, God forbid, or doesn't score another goal. He's absolutely going to get more than 27 goal contributions. He only needs three more. Could get a hat trick against Luton and do that. So he, he will be our kind of most productive player, I suppose, since Dwight York. That is definitely going to happen. Will he get the 20 Premier League goals, though? He needs another six to get that. How many games have you got
0: up, left? 13? 12 or 13. Um, a goal every other game? Yeah, I mean, he previously over his time at Villa, he, he, he sometimes goes, you know, Five or six games without scoring and then as mini bursts so mm-hmm. you know he's scored last week scored scored this week so maybe that that maybe this is one of those mini bursts i don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility from scoring another six goals uh i think if he does or he doesn't he's still had a fantastic fantastic oh, yeah. season um but yeah i thought um i just i do i can see little signs that i, I think i think his work rates always been good his goal output since he's been at Villa has always been been pretty good. I think I think he just feels he looks a little bit kind of more comfortable in possession and, and you know, looks like he's got the ball under control a little bit more. Um, mm. You know, he's one, one of those ones where, again, he's another one of those players, and we've got several of them at the moment, where we need to get Champions League now. We need to compete at the top end. We need to compete in finals to... to to keep pace with 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 his ambitions, and it's one of those kind of catch 22s isn't it? Because he needs to deliver, and all of our big players need to deliver each week to get us there. We need to have the platform for them to get there. But um, now I, I can't um I can't speak highly enough of him, and I think I'm I, I, I've never been a kind of a, a Watkins basher. Um, sounds like a kind of real ale that does not it I've never been, a, never been a Watkins basher but I don't think I quite realised how special a player we had until perhaps mm. the last kind of 12 or 18 months
1: yeah I think that's fair yeah he's massively improved since Emery came 100% he's only scored three goals in the league when Emery arrived and up until the January when we sold Danny Ings and we were like Ooh, not sure about that and he's been unstoppable since, basically. And yes, he has these periods of not scoring, but more often than not, he will score. When he does, he goes through these periods of scoring most weeks. Like You 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 back him to get a brace against Luton and pop up with another against Spurs, and then he might have another couple of quiet games, but then we'll come back again, and he's vitally important to us. Um, One of the concerns then was from the comments, and it was about clean sheets. Again, in our preview, I said Forest will score because they're dangerous, and we we know we don't look like keeping lots of clean sheets at the moment. Would that be a concern for you, or is that the kind of that positive spin that well, when you're creating so much and scoring so many goals, doesn't really matter whether you concede one or two if you're going to score three or four. I suppose it matters in the games when you don't win, doesn't it? You know, if we'd have kept <laughs>
0: kept the clean sheet against Manchester United, <laughs> we'd have we'd have won the game one 0 So, I think that my concern is. Uh, last week at Fulham, I thought we were in control and then they've scored a goal out of nowhere and all of a sudden it's a bit jittery and a bit a bit nervy and that's kind of happened again. You know, that goal just before half time. I thought it was a, I thought it was quite a cheap goal to yeah. concede. Uh and then having done that and no and we'll speak about the Torres and Chambers, I'm sure, in a minute, but having done that and then knew knew that we'd lost Torres, um who'd you, gone off with a kind of as a precautionary measure and Chambers, you know. He was, what, our fourth, fifth, sixth choice centre-half. Um sixth, I think. You know, a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, he, I think Emery's openly admitted that he was happy to to let him go. I think there's some interest and had the chance to go and didn't didn't want to go or didn't suit him or whatever. So yeah. he's come in, being asked to play Emery ball, um, being asked to play it against a pretty pacey Forest front line who by that stage have really got nothing to lose. So they can, you know, they can... Put us un- under the cosh a little bit, um, <sighs> Rusty, because he's hardly hardly played Has he made was that his first appearance of the season?
1: Did he played, played in Europe? League, I think. Yeah, in against Hibbs, maybe one oh. other. So he's rusty.
0: He's nervy. He's He's, he's also
1: unwanted. Like, well, oh, yeah, you know, he knows, so he, knows he knew he was told in the summer. Emery said you can leave. He was told in January you can leave. There was options yeah. there from Championship clubs, I think, in the January window, and he chose to stay. Or the offer wasn't right, or whatever. I think Emery said he chose yeah. to stay, but it may be that he just the move wasn't right, the money wasn't right, or whatever. So he Knows that, he's that's, not that's... wanted. Yeah, sorry, so if you
0: combine those factors, he's rusty. He knows he's surplus. Requirements. He's got to play as as <laughs> well, Yeah, he's not. He got to got to play play to that level. I think it was quite a, you know, a little bit of a baptism of fire. Probably that 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 first ten minutes, especially conceding um, straight away. Yeah, I think he. I think he settled, and I think you know that. I think that was where it was on, and I think they did. It was on Dougie, and it was on John McGinn to try and give him those easy avenues to make mm. the pass. And I don't think Forrest made that particularly easy easy, but it was you could just see him thinking, Oh God, I've got the ball here. Well, you know,
1: <laughs> what what am I gonna do with it basically? It didn't make um, a run into midfield in it one stage It was like, Oh, he's yeah, got a bit of yeah, confidence for no, to, no to
0: no go. But listen, this is this is the true test of Emory now, and we're all we're all kind of had our head in the hand, our hands a couple of weeks ago after we, we, we lost to United and we lost lost Boubacar Kamara. We've responded with two really impressive yeah. wins and okay, yeah. people might say, well, it's only full was
1: good as well. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, it was. And I think we've just got to we've got to trust this manager to do his best with what he's got. A bit like McGinn and the body he was being given. We've got to trust him to, to do his absolute best with what he's got. And more often than not, he finds answers. And if that means Callum Chambers has to deputise for a couple of games, it wouldn't have been any of our preferences. We wouldn't have cried too many tears if he'd have gone completely,
1: but just back Emery to to try and get a tune out of him, really. Yeah, exactly that. The 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 Paltaris injury, I suppose, is is the other concern that I wanted to raise. As a tweet from John earlier from Emery's presser, and he said he had some pain, so that's why we needed to change him. Um, and it sounded there was another tweet that I haven't got in front of me. It. it was basically like it was precautionary, and Emery didn't seem to Concerned that it was anything more. I think it was a pain in the back of his leg. Um, so I don't know if that's hamstring area, but he just came off at half-time. I actually thought if it was 3-0, I, I did think I would maybe we'll make changes because the game was won and it felt that way anyway. Forrest hadn't really threatened until they scored. Um, but when you see him gone, you go, oh, dear, Like if he's out for another f- period of games, he's massively important to us and we will struggle without him. But he walks back on to sit at the bench Five or so minutes into the second half, and you think, well, he doesn't look injured. Maybe he's just been sick at half time or something like that. So you would hope that even at 3 1, I mean, obviously it went 3 2 by the time Powtiz had walked back out again. But even by half time, they probably felt we're still in control of this. We've still, you know, we should still win this game. If he's feeling a bit of something, it's better to save him for that 45 minutes, still win the game, and he's fit for Luton next week than aggravate an injury in the second half and he's out for the next three or four weeks. So fingers crossed it is as precautionary as Emery portrayed it to be. Uh, And he's back next week. I saw a tweet from somebody that I'm going to nick saying that Emery is brilliant at lots of things, but medical diagnosis is not one of them. And when he's kind of said, oh, things are fine, it should be a week or whatever, it's turned out to be worse than that. So let's hope he's more spot on with this one. And it is just a small precaution rather than well, yes, this could be more serious. I think there is talk of having a scan. So you'd like to think that hopefully that comes up all clear and he's back. We've got a week now, haven't we, told Luton, no midweek game. So hopefully he's back because he's yeah, we all know he's massive. I think that's a manager's prerogative though, isn't it,
0: in terms of the medical updates that they give him. I remember Dean Smith saying that Jack Greeley should be back next week or whatever, and then he was, you know. what's <laughs> six <body>. months. Yeah. <laughs> you now when you see those kind of like comedies in hospital when somebody's kind of got an all-over body cast and that kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, like I say, um, what we what we have got to contend with, haven't we? We're going to have the, the. And I know we've had a couple of FA Cup games, but we've had what six weeks, two months, maybe longer without European football. So we've got yeah. that dual thing now. And the further we advance in that competition, you know, the size of the prize becomes a bit I prize weight lies then. The size of the prize becomes a bit more. You know, it's going to be more... It's going to be... We, we're reaching the business end of the season on two fronts where it's going to be super intense and our squad is so thin yeah, at no. the
1: moment. We've got to be an to absolute fight. miracle for me and I, am, isn't it, to... If we finish fourth, what an unbelievable job that is. It, just to get Villa to fourth with a full-fit squad would be a great achievement. To do it with Callum Chambers and long light at the back when you've had Thiago Carlos injured, Consa missing, torres missing, Toroming's getting an ACL at the start of the season, Emmy Bendia getting an ACL, Kamara getting an ACL, Jacob Ramsey not being available for a long time, Alex Moreno not being available for a long time, Luca D missing. Pretty much the whole team has had you know, a fair few lengthy injuries to still be fourth. Whether we get there or not, he's done absolutely unbelievable, Emory. And, and the squad as well, the players who've who had to kind of come in and deputise have all done very, very well. Which he actually we gets us the, over the um... line.
0: I don't know whether you know this, Dan. Or we don't need to find it out now. But where are we in the disciplinary table? Because I think we've done quite well to avoid, yeah,
1: suspensions the... as well. Really, considering the injury list that we've had. It's, it's up to ten, isn't it? Now, ten yellows for a suspension. I don't think anyone is is near that without checking. I would only guess that somebody's no, on just injured or something. Um, um, can I mention prize where it lies? Now I've just said it to myself quickly because I want to talk about Man United.
0: What do people want to talk about? Prize-rate lines, Man United?
1: don't know. Um,
0: you know, did you watch it today?
1: I missed it, but I was in my seat. So I don't know how that happened. Do you know because what's I... happened?
0: You know, they managed to they put it on the side of the Trinity. Not the yeah, not Trinity. On the, on the side, it, yeah, yeah. They put it on the Witten side instead. And they're interviewing um Adil Ray and somebody yeah. else by the tunnel yeah. about the Villa Foundation so they've done prize-rate lies, but they've done it, they've tried to sneak it under the radar. So nobody So nobody knows about it.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking, mad,
0: isn't it? I mean, people are paying the money for that. I mean, the bits either side of it, the 45 minutes <laughs> either side of it, you can take or leave, can't you? People are paying the money for that, and they've not made. A big fan of
1: about it. I saw the big, th- yeah. I felt like Chris Kamara at Portsmouth, and I've not, I've missed the red card. I saw him bring out. I saw him bring it, Jeff. I saw him bring the big banner out and put it on the other side, and that sparked my memory to think it was normally this side. So that was already weird. Yeah. And then I kind of got distracted by looking at the tunnel, and I had a raise there, and they're talking about this, and I was kind of like not watching that, but I was invested in that. Yeah. And I looked back, and the the big board thing had gone, and I was like, oh, maybe they just they didn't have time, and I put it away. They actually did the game. But did
0: he? I mean, anybody
1: who oh. missed it, I can assure you that they were as bad. All scrap as normal,
0: as they usually usually. Are. Somebody on Twitter said, "Do you think it helps people with it being on that side, the right footers, mm. being on that side?" And I said, "I don't really. I'm a left footer anyway, so I don't. I don't really care. I'd, I'd manage to shank it out of play, regardless of what side it was." But um, I've got a note to Villa about this. Okay, listen. I've even written this down because I'm, I'm so sure they definitely like. care. Note to Villa: Don't put prize where it lies. On the side, it can hide with no sound in the ground. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Talk about sports? Man United. Oh, yeah, lovely, isn't it, when Man United lose? It's all, as, as as satisfying as watching Aston Villa win. Is it's almost as satisfying to see Man United lose, isn't it? Which is, says more about me than anything, probably. Just typical, isn't it? I, I quite enjoy that we're playing at the same time because sort am of keeping a track on, on it, especially when I feel like our game's won. I've kind of got my phone, Premier League app, Monday night game, how are they doing? Oh, they're losing. Oh, brilliant. Love this. They get back into it with Maguire, who I don't know if anyone's seen it, he should have been sent off in the first half for, for a tackle, so he shouldn't even have been on the pitch to score the goal anyway and get them back into it. And you think, oh, typical Man United, they're going to get something out of this. But even so, you know, we've done our bit. We, we're we winning. Even if they draw, that's a sort of good result for us. Uh, opens up the points gap to five or uh, six or seven points. Nine minutes added time at Old Trafford when Man United are drawing, of course. You know, give them everything they can. When they're uh, winning at Luton last week, it's four minutes. This week when they're uh, level pegging, it's, it's nine minutes. I get a notification, goal in the game. Alex Awobi, 97th minute. Oh, Absolutely, love it. everyone around us, absolutely buzzing with it. Stadium starts singing about Man United. Everyone knows what it means. I didn't like that, that bit. bit. Did you not? I, I didn't, didn't join in, did but... You know, uh, Stadium
0: singing about Man United. Uh, everyone hates him, don't they? No, well, the that... no I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with, I'm with you. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Nothing the fact to do that we're it's what we do now. i on
1: 52 points with a 21 goal difference. We won 16 games this season out of 26, which is great. Tottenham, obviously, have got a game in hand because they've not played this weekend because of the Carabao Cup final. So they've got to squeeze in a game with, with Chelsea at some point. And Tottenham's schedule isn't uh, obviously they've got no Europe, but they play three or four big teams in a row in April. So when they squeeze in Chelsea, who knows? I'd rather be in our position, though, with, with points on the board. It's a five point swing on Spurs in fifth. It's an eight point swing again on Man United in sixth. Uh, and dropping out of European football entirely to 7th. I mean, nowhere near going to there. Anyway. Like Bryson on 39 points, we're on 52. So, European football is guaranteed guarantee for next season anyway. We're getting, almost getting to the stage where it feels like top five is is getting towards not being a guarantee, but we're in a brilliant position. The fact that they're eight points behind us and they've beaten us twice in the last, I don't know, six or seven weeks is madness. They would, they'd be on uh, 38 points if they hadn't beaten us twice. They're scrapping of- mid-table. That's how bad that's been, and they're still somehow in the in the running for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously today with us us winning and 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 them slipping up has restored the eight-point gap that we had before we went, we we faced them a couple of weeks mm. ago. So that's a good thing. It almost doesn't quite, but it almost cancels out
1: well, effectively, that, yeah. That,
0: that defeat, if you like. But on the flip side of that, it's like Two 0 up at Old Trafford, you know. Yeah, like played that. better than Man United at Villa Park, you know. Even if we'd have only taken a point from each of those games and denied mm. them the six, Four if points. you like, we've had, yeah. had two points each or whatever. That would have, but it's when we play Man United. I and I'm, I'm I'm stuck as a kind of '90s '90s teenager or whatever. So I don't like Manchester United because I think they just when we we threaten to be good. <laughs> they were better and kind of went on and built a dynasty. So I'm still a bit, and they took Dwight York and Mark Bosnich and etc. Cetera, et cetera, So I've always got a bit of a, a chip on my shoulder about them. But that's when we play them. I'm not really yeah. that bothered when we don't because it's up to us what we do now, which has proven that they've beaten us twice. They've beaten us twice and we've still got this eight-point cushion. So yeah. only we can decide whether that's, you know, whether we build on that or whether that, that gets eroded, I don't really care whether they, you know, what they do really. Uh, but, yes, I did have a little smirk on my face when uh, we got that notification and uh, that last-minute goal or nine minutes in stoppage time goal went in the in the different net that we were expecting. Um, but, yeah, what what do you think? I know this is probably – how long have we rattled on, Dan? 45
1: now. 45, Boy, we've
0: got to go in a minute. Yeah. Um, Luton, next week. What's your thoughts
1: on that? Luton is not going to be easy by any means. I'm not going to say now take a draw, but Luton at Luton is is not an easy game. Um, But you still got that context of, yes, Luton have been good and way better than anyone expected, but they're still on 20 points or, or wherever they are. They're still a poor Premier League side, and Villa should have the quality to beat them. If things go the way you would think they would on paper next week, we should be talking about an 11-point gap to Man United, and kind of not being guaranteed fifth, but they play Man City next week at the Etihad and we play Luton. So if the football gods align, we should win and they should lose again, really. And if it is an 11-point gap this time next week and then we play Spurs, we're in a brilliant, brilliant position for minimum fifth place, never mind fourth. Um, And then we can start looking ahead at what Arsenal are doing and looking ahead rather than looking behind. But Luton will not be easy. They're good from set pieces. They've got that kind of fighting spirit. They're scrapping for every point. Whatever cliche you want to throw towards it, yeah, it won't be an easy game. But I still back us now. That in, in, if you kind of isolate every game in in its own thing, have Villa got enough quality to beat that Luton side? Yeah. So if we're on it and Pau Torres is fit, we should be winning next week. Yeah, we 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 should
0: do. We should do. And again. You know, United. If if United bring a surprise and they get their result next week, just just do what we can. Just just do our bit, basically. Uh, hmm. Somebody in somebody in the comments has just put Kendrick was a teenager in the nineties. That's more unbelievable than United getting in the top four. That was everything Villa. So thanks for that. i will <laughs> just uh, I was just gonna uh, hang on to. So I don't What's know you can see that mate. No, I ain't showing you that one yet. I found this one.
1: By the way, a bit closer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've sent me that one as well. Yeah.
0: Look that. Come here, man. Like, handsome? don't know why
1: I'm wearing a wick and Wonderers night dress. Did they yeah. have? Um, did they have coloured cameras in the in the fifties?
0: Unbelievable. No, that's a that's a watercolour drawing. That you fifties too well. far. Should, should have gone seventies. Too far. Fifties. Not. Yeah, probably, that's done it. by. Um, now that was that was a, a drawing done by the court artist. Um. <laughs> <laughs> was that I'm just trying to think, was there anything else?
1: No, that's it. I think uh, we talked about the, the points gap and, and stuff, and you're right, you take one game at a time, and if you know we see how we do at Luton, we see how United do at um, at City. Spurs play place next week, and then obviously we play Spurs at Villa Park and it again we'll look at this further down the line, but that, that kind of seven-day period of Ajax, Spurs, Ajax is almost season-defining, isn't it? We are either are out of Europe and Spurs are on our heels for top four. We're firmly in the top four because we've beaten Spurs and we're through to the next round in European competition. Like the beginning of March is is massive and an exciting time. I look at that with with potential of we can beat Ajax, we can beat Spurs, not kind of fear of what might happen. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an exciting end to the season, isn't it? It's, it we're in it now. This is it. Yeah, I think I think the Conference
0: League one against Ajax is season defining because if you lose, you're out. I think if you lose <laughs> yeah. to Spurs, you know we've shown we we lost to, to Newcastle and we lost to uh, United at Villa Park and some of the Here doom are, mongers, place. some of the doom mongers amongst us thought, uh oh, you know the wheels have fallen off, but we proved that the wheels haven't fallen off. Or if, under Emery, if, if one of the wheels falls off and he tends to put it back on quite quite quickly on a claret blue bandwagon towards glory. Um. So yeah, I don't want to build that week up too much. I can't cope with the stress, mate. To be honest, so let let's just take each take
1: each game as it comes. Okay, understood. Right. On to loot, and then next week. Um. In terms of this week's content, there'll be a slight. Well, there'll be a possible slight change to the schedule. We are religious on uploading a podcast every Monday. Q uh, and A Q&A show generally me and John that may still be Monday, but it could be Tuesday this week because Matt we are filming an interview. On Monday, so I'm going to be snowed under with going to shoot that. It's in person as well, so we're we're giving it the full works. Do you want to tease who it is, or should we be totally coy about it and not say a word?
0: Nah, leave it. Leave it under wraps. Leave it under wraps. It's a Claret and Blue, former Claret and Blue favourite, which is vague enough for people. (laughs) They'll find out, won't they? I'm I'm looking forward to it anyway. Yeah,
1: might be one for a certain era. (laughs) Yeah, it's not Peter McParland. It's not Dean Smith. He's the one that everyone asks us for all the time. So it's not him. Not Peter McParland. not Dean Smith. Yeah. Somewhere somewhere between those two. Spoiler. (laughs) Right. So we'll be filming that Monday. That episode, that interview will be out next week. My Q&A with John will be out at some point next week as well. It could be Monday evening. It could be Tuesday. uh, And then we'll build up to Luton at the back end of the week as well with another post-match show. It's on TV uh 5:30 kickoff next saturday so uh we'll probably be on on the full time we after that one so I'll probably of be stuff up.
0: Dan, just saying so you no know. so you'll have to you have to drag in one of your casts of understudies because I'm going to be getting drunk okay. I think understood he's so disrespectful to the, to the others but uh, there we go oh, i thought i'm the, um, on the cast to be fair all right
1: uh let's call it there matt thanks for joining me this evening always longer than anticipated but an enjoyable chat as always uh thanks for those that are watching along live we appreciate you as always if you're one of those that, ones that are catching up you can scroll down to the youtube comments and share your thoughts as well uh any guesses on the interview uh, that'll be handy as well to see if anyone can actually get it uh, and if you're listening on podcast platforms, then uh, leave us a review. They're very helpful as well. Thanks everyone for watching. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you Monday, Tuesday, and probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Just look
0: out for me the next home match because I'm going to be walking out holding the referee's hand. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. Thanks for that. All right. that. Bye-bye. <laughs>